We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What did we think about NFL Week 13? That is what we were talking about today on Road of His Overtime. Was it lucky for us? Was it unlucky? You're about to find out because I think, Sean, people may be able to tell as the show starts off sometimes as to how we are doing. How is our mood? We talked, we joked a couple of times about these kind of almost therapy sessions on a Monday as we talked through how things have gone. This weekend feels like it's gone pretty, pretty well. There's obviously going to be, like when you're managing a, a multitude of teams, there's going to be some of those. You can't win them all. So, it feels as though like our players and the plays that we drafted this year, we talked about, we selected, we advised on, had pretty good weeks overall. And hopefully people listening in are in pretty good shape. So I'm I'm excited for week 14. Sometimes when the week isn't going as well, the enthusiasm for the following week isn't as high. But one note I want to start off with, Sean, today on the show is we did talk about it last week, but we are having a an OT final in the FFPC main event. That is us versus Austin City beer drinkers Chuck Preston Arn and Adam have also won their matchup in the FFPC semifinals we won ours both with Monday Night Football Despair which is a nice way to finish up the week where you can watch Monday Night Football and, and enjoy it rather than be having those stresses but I know there's other contests Sean that we will be stressing as Monday Night Football progresses but shout out to those guys as we face off in week 14 for that championship excited to have the ot community involved and sean we will say may the best team win but i hope our team wins how are you feeling after uh, week 13 good good you mentioned you know some weeks are easier than than others and people probably get a little bit of a a sense as the show starts especially if you're watching there on youtube there's a difference between the big bright genuine smiles and the kind of glassy eyes with the caged animal look where you're like I'm going to make the best of this. There were lots of great things that happened. But no, this was just a pure joy of a weekend. Colin, I can't wait to see what happens next week in the final. I have to give you a ton of credit for what we are doing here in 2023. The team that we drafted on the show with David Philippi is in first place and looks like it's pretty well locked into advancing there every time that i go through my underdog portfolio 
all of these OT teams that we drafted for the show jump out up there at the top. Colin, this doesn't really, I mean, it's still a relatively small sample, right? It's 10 to 12 shows, something like that. Uh, And you can accomplish it over that type of a sample. But I believe more than half of the shows that I drafted with you for underdog are going to advance, which again, you're just, you're absolutely on fire with this season. I'll, I'll, I'll say that that's uh 89% Sean Siegel, 11% me, unless it was a uh, TJ Hawkinson getting drafted. Then that was hundred percent me. I don't know. Colin. I want to draft as many teams as possible with you. You have been just absolutely fantastic. The win rate on those teams looks really, really good. It was a fun week just overall. The team that I've referenced with Connor O'Driscoll, where we have Desmond Ritter and Aaron Rodgers at QB, surged again with 180 plus points. We are now into advanced position. Team I drafted with Zachary Kruger surged this week and advanced into advanced position. A couple of teams I drafted with Eric Hove surged and are now in advanced position. And Colin, back to the MEs for a second. The two teams that I have with Ben Gretsch that are done both won this week and advanced to the finals. Our third team in the semis needs Joe Mixon to score 12 points or fewer, basically 11.7, something in that range. What could be better than a week 13 Monday night rooting experience than stealing bananas versus our fantasy nemesis? Joe Mixon, Colum, let's get to the games. This was a fun week. This was a fun week, Sean. And the way things play out for our main event, for example, we still we've won the contest or the game, but we have Travis Etienne and the Jacksonville defense still to play. So we're in an incredibly fortunate position at this point in time. But we were sweating on Sunday whether to play Javante or or Etienne. Thankfully, it doesn't doesn't matter at this point in time. But you know, with his status going into the game and so on and so forth but yeah f- fun times but this sean for me i think i think you know i mentioned hawkinson there and he wasn't playing this week but the tight ends helped a lot of those teams that you mentioned i assume surge and sam laporta trey mcbride sam laporta 140 yards this week nine receptions one touchdown guess that touchdown early gets the team off to a, a good start 33.5 points in those tight end premium formats trey mcbride finishing with 26.9 sean i joked last week that why do we not just keep throwing trey mcbride the ball well there was one drive this week where that's what they did but they kind of did it for one drive uh they, they need to figure out that although he did have a 50 percent target share which is obviously very impressive uh no other cardinal player had more than two targets in this contest but he finishes a 99 yard touchdown drive he actually had two touchdowns on this drive but one of them was overturned uh we were debating this before the show about the, the booth review but it was overturned but then he just caught the next pass and, and took it in for a touchdown anyway but the end of that drive extremely impressive as we get kyler murray just going to mcbride over and over and over again we get 12 yard completion to trey mcbride sorry we get a 17 yard completion to trey mcbride we move along then the next one is a 12 yard completion to trey mcbride we get a 15 yard completion to trey mcbride which almost gets him in he gets down to the seven yard line then we get a five yard touchdown that's overturned and then we get a five yard touchdown that's held up so 99 yards i'm calling that the trey mcbride drive and james connor big game in this one as well austin beer drinkers have him 
in the lineup, that will be potentially a point of big leverage next week. Who gets the scores between Connor and Trey McBride? Colin, I kind of mentioned this on Stealing Panetas, but it blows my mind on looking at it again that Laporta and McBride combined for 18 targets. They caught 17 of them. And the only one that was incomplete between these two players was a touchdown. <laughs> so a, quite a week from them. You were kind of joking with me before the show that your Laporta percentage was through the roof. I remember recording the Chasing Stolen Bananas main event with the ship chasing guys. And that was one of the teams that won yesterday in advance. So that is a lot of fun. Joking with them after we finished recording, because we did draft Laporta on that team. And we were kind of going through the team, what we liked, what we didn't. We were excited about Laporta. I was like, I hope this works out because I have like 45% on underdog on a pretty decent number of teams. So Colin, that portion has gone extremely well. And again, it kind of underlines why when we do have someone we think is mispriced by multiple rounds, we're willing to go pretty heavy. Now, there are situations in which that doesn't work out. When you think about last season where you know, Brees Hall, probably the best pick in all of fantasy, he goes down. We had a huge exposure there. This season, Devon Achan, you know, probably the best pick in all of fantasy, although people who have some of the Houston Texans players would certainly beg to differ, in, and rightly so. But he goes down, and so you lose that, and at the same time, you know, are you going to go through your drafting process the next year and be like, I want to draft less of Brees Hall at a great price, less of HN at a great price? You kind of have to have these players and then, you know, go with it. And sometimes the team puts you in a weird spot. One of the things that's a little bit disappointing is that on a few of these teams, like that Chasing Stolen Bananas team, we drafted Trey McBride and weren't able to keep him through that opening stretch where they were somehow under the impression that using Zach Ertz was going to help them. So just, again, a fantastic performance here. I've been pretty critical of Kyler Murray since he's come back. This was not a big game statistically as they play in bad weather against the Steelers. And yet there are some plays where if his other guys make it, maybe you get a little bit of a different outcome. And one of the things that is just so striking in this game is that Trey McBride has a massive fantasy performance in a game where Kyler Murray only threw 23 times, only completed 13 passes, threw for less than 150 total yards. I mean, Trey McBride is well above 50% of the team's total yardage. We were playing against Marquise Brown. He puts up a zero. Obviously, that's one of the things that really helped us and uh, created the cushion to where when Debo Samuel went off later against us, we could relax because Brown had put up a zero. He also had one of the weakest efforts on making a catch that I've ever seen. Brown is a, a vertical weapon who will get open deep. He will also drop passes deep. Some of those drop passes deep are built in because when you're talking about trying to make a play 60 yards down the field, it just simply not easy. It's not something that you're going to do successfully every time. Some of these shorter targets, though, he's got to make a bigger effort if he wants to be part of this team turning it around and becoming something in the future. Colin, the other player who is actually making the effort and is getting open down the field, Rondell Moore makes a fantastic catch for the touchdown in this one. It is taken away, unfortunately, by a penalty. 
So you have this contrast where Moore is no longer only being targeted behind the line of scrimmage, and yet two targets <laughs> doesn't get the job done. They have to get him involved in the game much, much more as he is the one guy here who is extremely dynamic and can be the all-around threat to balance out McBride. So unfortunately, the Cardinals are probably still a receiver away on the offensive side. They've got a lot of work to do on defense. We know this team is rebuilding. You have to like the fact, if you are a Cardinals fan, if you're a member of the Cardinals coaching staff, that even though they are 3-10, and 10, two of those wins come over the Dallas Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers in games where you're beating a team that has a lot on the line. You're beating one of the NFL's best franchises in terms of how those franchises are put together top to bottom. A huge win for them. Obviously a very disappointing loss for the Steelers and a game where they take a step back again offensively. They also lose their quarterback. Colin, where are we with Kenny Pickett on the injury and, and how does this team look going forward? Uh, still waiting as the time recording in terms of severity of the injury, but I would expect that it's week to week rather than day to day. So I, I would expect that he's going to miss some time here. It sounds like he was in a, a boot on the sideline during the game. He was 7 of 10 for 70 yards when he goes out, and I thought he was actually playing pretty well at that particular time. A few nice connections to George Pickens, who he finished the game five targets, four receptions, 86 yards, with one of those being a 38 yard reception. Deontay Johnson was the one that did get into the end zone. He went four for 33 and a, a touchdown. And I, I was pretty disappointed by the usage of uh, the other tight end in this game outside of McBride. That was Pat Firemuth, five targets, but three for 29 going his way after such an explosive week the previous week. Um, Pickett, it looked like things were starting to turn around, Sean, and even that early play was going in the right direction, but unfortunately going to be derailed a little bit here by injury. And I was surprised at how easily the Cardinals won this. You mentioned the weather conditions. This game was stopped for rain and uh, storm delays twice during the contest. Um, so difficult day for a lot of these players, I'm sure, out there. The one, Sean, that you mentioned was James Conner. 25 carries, 105 yards, two touchdowns. And this game had two targets but no receptions. And when we talked about the running back splits on the last show last week, looking at some zero RB stashes, I felt like Michael Carter was was right there in touching distance of James Conner. But whether that was just an injury-related thing in, in week 12, whatever it was, James Conner was back getting all the work he could handle in week 13. So good win for the Cardinals, 3-10 on the season. State are still 7-5. and five. Some of these teams that have kind of struggled all season and been a little bit maybe fraudulent at times outside of their defense um, are still in the, the playoff hunt. The Steelers being one of them. Another one I would factor into that would be the Cleveland Browns. But moving on to a team, Sean, that I had thrown in the towel on, I was looking at draft picks. I was looking to see what we were going to do in the, the 2024 draft. That was the Green Bay Packers. They are now 6-6. Six and six. They are 4-2 and two at home on their record. Matt LaFleur, I believe, at this point now is Mr. December. I think this takes him to 16-0 and 0 potentially in December contest as the Green Bay Packers head coach. We've talked in recent weeks about Jordan Love and how he has played Again, I was impressed with a number of the throws, particularly uh, the touchdown throws to Watson with the ball placement on those ones. He has 36 attempts, 25 completions, 267 and three touchdowns. Just 10 rushing yards on two attempts as well to, to go along with that. But we've talked and I've talked 
probably we haven't talked as much about the play call as it started to improve but Matt LaFleur is a very good coach good coordinator in terms of what they are trying to achieve but the, with all the youth and with all the inexperience at the start of the season it was really starting to struggle for them and they obviously lost to the Denver Broncos which in turn doesn't maybe look as bad now as the Broncos went on the the win streak that obviously ended then this weekend to the Houston Texans but the Packers look to be just you know inexperienced making a lot of mistakes mental errors whether it was bad ball placement whether it was bad routes from the the wide receivers whether the play calls were getting misinterpreted as they came in but over the last couple of weeks Sean they have beaten the Rams although it wasn't with Matthew Stafford it was Brett Rippon but they on Thanksgiving they beat Jared Goff and the Lions on the road and then they beat the Chiefs at home here they're six and six something that I did not see happening after they they lost that game to the Denver Broncos they also lost a game to the Oakland Raiders <laughs> so it had it hasn't been playing Salem but I think it's getting very very interesting here in terms of I think Love has done enough to set himself up as the, the franchise quarterback moving forward obviously there was some questions about that at the start of the season after Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets and, and moving through the season and Christian Watson somebody who I had questioned about what he was achieving this season had been dealing with a lot of injuries he has nine targets here seven receptions 71 yards two touchdowns does have an injury at the end looks to be a hamstring injury hopefully again that's not too long of an issue he is somebody who has, has struggled to stay healthy throughout but we'll get to the Chiefs in a moment but Jordan Love again and the Packers Sean I put a question in here just for fun but we obviously talk up Sam Howell a lot Sam Howell's potential be the franchise quarterback for for the commanders would you rather have Jordan Love or Sam Howell if you were starting a franchise We are fast approaching the holiday season. We're always looking for the perfect gifts for those near and dear to us, our families and friends. And what could be better than a ticket to a live event? We're heading towards the crucial weeks of the NFL season and there's so much sports going on, but there's also concerts, comedy, theater, so many other things that you can go and get a ticket to this time of year. It can be stressful looking for tickets, getting the best price, the best seats, trying to figure everything out to have the best experience, but it doesn't have to be like that because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful game time is a fast and easy way to get tickets for all the sports music comedy and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you will have they have exclusive flash deals they have the game time guarantee which means you'll always get the best price if you find a ticket in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference buying tickets in a matter of seconds two taps on their App and your set so whether it's for a gift or whether it's just to treat yourself this holiday season snag tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account use the code rotoviz for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account redeem the code rotoviz for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's, that's a tough question because I think I'm probably much higher than the consensus on both guys. I, I felt like it was for me when I was going through them in terms of players. Obviously, Love is in the NFL a bit longer, but hasn't been playing as long. They're both coming in this year, and they're both in similar time frames in terms of game started. But for me, in terms of the crop, you have CJ Stroud, who is above everybody, <laughs> and then you've kind of a group under that. And I feel like they are very interesting because we see incredible plays and incredible throws but then we also see some errors in there but when we look around at some of the teams and how they are struggling at the moment even with their starting quarterbacks some of the downfield plays that we're seeing from both of those guys and you talked with ben a little bit about it on state of bananas is you look at joe flacco and he's putting the ball downfield but you look at some of these other offenses and it's like you know it's third and ten sometimes even could be fourth and seven and they're, they're throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage to you know it's there's nothing they're handing off either. and then the you know excuse slash explanation is well the defense isn't expecting it and you see it work once and you're like oh it's viable and then you watch what the detroit lions did where they're running in all of these clear passing situations you're like no i mean you need to be able to throw the ball column the packers look fantastic and you mentioned some of their bad losses but the thing that i like to see and one of the things that makes me believe the denver broncos are for real is that they, during their winning streak, were beating good teams as opposed to taking advantage of a soft part of their schedule. Now, the Dallas Cowboys, by contrast, I wouldn't say that the Dallas Cowboys are a weaker team than the Green Bay Packers or the Denver Broncos. That doesn't really follow. But so much of what the Cowboys have done is based on the back of annihilating bad teams. When you have the Packers come back here and their wins are against the Lions and the Chiefs. Now, both of these teams have some problems. I was very disappointed in how the Lions managed their game after they got up 21 to nothing. Obviously, if you watch the Chiefs this season, they have problems, right? It's, this isn't the perfect team, but the Chiefs also have a rising defense that the Packers had absolutely no trouble with. And when you think about Green Bay... And, and sorry to interrupt on that, but I think part of the reason that some of these teams that are not afraid to take shots down the field that may not work out all the time... But when you're taking, like, if, if you're throwing the ball within five line, five yards of the line of scrimmage over and over again, the defense is basically making sure that you don't break through that line to get to the end zone. So it, everything's in front of them. But when you start to push it downfield and make them, a soccer term that I'll use here is like, if you make the defender face their own, own goal, so they're running away from the ball in the course of an NFL game, that's going to be a situation where like they, they cannot instantly see where the ball is. We may not talk much about it in today's show, but the Lions game that you referenced, Chris Olave has a, a highlight playing that for me that may not get shown in many highlights where it's a poorly underthrown ball and he 
turns around and he's able to make the play to catch the ball he tracks the ball but the defender doesn't even know where the ball is because he's running <laughs> to try and catch Chris Olave so in situations where you can turn the corner back around that he's having to run down the field even then that, that opens it up for you know card routes or whatever you want to do whereas if you're just consistently tossing it to the line of scrimmage it's it's a much easier kind of task for the defense to cover that and so much of that i think comes down to the offensive scheme because one of the things that has been maybe the biggest through line on this season is that the way defenses are taking all of those plays away and the thing that has been so striking with the kansas city chiefs is just each year how mahomes target depth and ability to create big plays has dropped and yet you watch this green bay packers passing attack and it's not just that they're attacking deep they're attacking deep to guys who are wide open and that is huge i mean when you're trying to develop a quarterback if you're giving him downfield throws to guys who are clear of their defenders and the throw itself is you know not an impossible read i mean if you have a determined read to a guy who is wide open then that's going to be gigantic in terms of creating this type of development the, the other thing that they've got back to and i know i'm probably going to talk more because i'm a packers fan but we, we talk a lot about the miami dolphins and, and what they're doing in terms of being one of the most creative offenses and we've seen that again this week with tyreek hill just torching people as he runs down the field and nobody can cover him and, and for the second touchdown in that contest like tyreek hill is not past the defender and two is like well that defender cannot get anywhere near. like so basically he's running you know a 60 yard sprint as fast as he can as if he's in the olympics and then he knows the ball is going to be there when he gets to the other side but what they do a lot and on one of hill's touchdowns this week again they, they motion him across there's so much motion in that miami dolphins offense and that's something that the packers had originally and they kind of got away from it a little bit with metal floor but over these last couple of weeks there's so much motion and anything that you're doing to stress that other side of the defense and then it's not allowing them to get as much press coverage i think that again they're probably stating quite a bit of this as a lot of people around the nfl are from the 49ers which matt lafleur would have obviously that connection to and the dolphins side of things and i just think it's the offenses that are playing with courage that are having some more of the success down the field and you talk about stealing it there probably are to an extent and it's easier when you have maybe the same backbone on offense as some yeah. of these other teams that are innovating and yet i mean i think lafleur deserves a lot of credit that he probably doesn't get when you think about this group of relatively young coaches and you know you can say you know kyle shanahan has built these juggernaut teams they played in the super bowl sean mcveigh has won a super bowl Mike McDaniel is doing things on offense right now that are especially impressive within the overall context of the NFL's offensive and scoring environment. And yet, I mean, LaFleur coached Aaron Rodgers to MVP seasons where he ends up getting all the credit and LaFleur is just like, you know, that's a guy riding Rodgers' coattails. Now, it obviously helps to have a star quarterback, but when we're kind of doling out the credit here it seems very clear that the coach also deserves quite a bit especially when you look at what the green bay packers are doing right now and 
And with Jordan Love, you know how that question, you know, would you prefer Jordan Love or Sam Howell? It's interesting because Love was basically a traits draft pick. And those types of picks very rarely work. Now, when they do, sometimes they can work in this <laughs> magnificent, just franchise-determining way. When I mean, you think about Josh Allen probably being one of those types of picks. And if you're a Green Bay Packers fan and you're kind of thinking – well, what's the next step for love? I mean, is it to go to that Josh Allen level? Are we going to actually go another 15 years and be the power team in the NFC North and possibly the entire NFC because we've hit on that type of player? And so when you look at it from that perspective, it seems pretty easy to take Jordan Love. But one of the things that's happening here too is that the also much maligned general manager has built a team the way that the Packers like to do it. And despite, I mean, one of the things here, and, and obviously it's, it's kind of a, a running, you know, gag to an extent where, you know, I pile on Aaron Rodgers and then you remind me that he's one of the greatest players of all time, but being able to move on from him and actually use the young receivers. One of the things that jumps out in this game is that Jaden Reed, who has been fantastic, did almost nothing. And what you want from your offense, and this is maybe the one little area where the Dolphins still have a little bit of, of room to grow. Certainly a team on the other side of the field, like the Kansas City Chiefs, a lot of room to grow. Despite all the youth, the Packers have the weapons to where when one of their young guys doesn't do it for a game, they have enough other weapons to get the job done. And again, you're talking about young players, but you have another very strong performance from Romeo Dobbs. He makes a huge downfield catch. You have like a secondary breakout. I mean, Christian Watson is in the middle of an absolute eruption. So you do hope, as you mentioned, that the hamstring injury isn't anything there. Dontavian Wicks, probably not going to be much more than a role player for them, but having a role player who can actually play the role, I mean, you contrast what Wicks is doing versus what MVS is doing for the Chiefs, a guy who can successfully play the role, even someone like a Malik Heath, who has that one catch for 15 yards, but when he catches it, does kind of the video game, sideways juke i mean the lateral explosiveness that he demonstrates on that reception you have tucker craft getting involved as the backup to luke musgrove when you think about where this team is going to be another 12 months from now it's incredibly the, exciting and again matt lafleur deserves a ton of credit for that you mentioned tucker craft luke musgrove as well he is out with a lacerated kidney <laughs> so he's not there and they don't have uh Aaron Jones in this contest. I thought this might have been the best game that we've seen running from AJ Dillon in quite some time, but that's probably enough about the Packers. The other one final note is like the amount of cap space that is not available to them between you know, Aaron Rodgers and David Bakhtiari. He's on injured reserve. Like even this contest, you know, just missing key players that aren't available and being able to get the, the result, which is impressive. And I will go on to the Chiefs, but I do want to shout out the interception. Mahomes has one interception in this. I thought it was a, an incredible play by the defender rather than a, a bad ball by Mahomes in this but looking through it Sean everyone kept pretty quiet for the Chiefs overall no huge statistical days outside of Pacheco who is 18 for 110 and a touchdown his longest was 26 in this one does have three for 11 on four targets as well does also get ejected from this contest I mentioned it last week but Pacheco is having a, a really good couple of game stretch here in terms of fantasy production he is. It's, I think you have to argue, hurting the Chiefs that they're now sort of capitulated, right? They're leaning into this idea that teams want them to run. They're like, if you want us to run, we'll do it. 
and our offense just won't be good. And I mean, that's, that's how you get into the situation where you get dominated by the Green Bay Packers. And so, uh, you know, you, you get some positive steps. You have Travis Kelsey with a decent game. You have Rasheed Rice commanding the nine targets. He barely ab- avoids the back-breaking fumble there at the end. I mean, Rice looks like a guy who is about ready to take a step to pure stardom. And so he's another one where, you know, drafted him everywhere. He's part of the perpetual reloading for the dynasty or we're stockpiling those second round picks and then used a second round pick on him in basically every draft that looks very promising right now in the short term. I mean, this is a big loss for the chiefs. This doesn't feel like the kind of team that is going to blitz through the playoffs without some of the home field advantages that they've had on occasion. And so this is a terrible loss for them. Pacheco does play well. And yet, I mean, the Chiefs are probably not in this position, but I mean, I would argue that Kansas City should sit him down for a game after he cost them a very real chance to win at the end because of a complete loss of composure. Absolutely ludicrous trying to throw a punch when all that's happened is that you've been successfully blocked by <laughs> the opposing player. You know, maybe there is some frustration here with the hit on Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines that has happened very recently, and yet. That was a legal hit that you actually get a penalty for. And so as opposed to being frustrated, you're like, we have benefited from all of that. And let me interrupt, Sean. Let me interrupt before we get to the next point, because I did a request this morning from one of our listeners, Brian. He said, please let Sean go on an over-the-top diatribe about how hard it is to play defense after MVS didn't get that pass interference call lit. He also mentioned this, which I think is very true. He said he'll probably use more vernacular that I will have to look up. So, Sean, was that a pass interference? <laughs> I mean... Is it the most blatant pass interference of all time? The thing that I like about it was that the official watched that play, and he's like, okay, well, he jumped on his back, and he pulled down his back arm, and he tried to tackle him, and the ball still wasn't there yet. And so he readjusted his balance, and he climbed back around on the front side, and then he successfully knocked the ball away with his free hand. And I was just very impressed with him knocking the ball away with his free hand. So, like, I'm going to allow it. I'm going to allow it. Was it so blatant that the ref thought it, it couldn't be that obvious? It couldn't be that obvious. The other thing I've seen is, you know, we have seen MVS have an issue with drops and not completing catches on some of those deep passes, and I did see some people saying that it probably wasn't a catchable ball because it was going towards mbs it doesn't usually catch the ball yeah i just uh, i'd love for the poor fellow to, to make a play he had a, a play <laughs> earlier in the game where you know commentary suggested and you, know, you watch the play you, you kind of see where he bends the route in the wrong direction the chiefs continue to go to some of these guys and one of the strange things about this game you know, you have Richie James in there drawing targets. You have Sky Moore drawing a target where you mentioned the very nice interception. I do think that was true at the same time. You also get the impression like this is why Sky Moore is a bust because you can't run really anything with him. He's got to be able to go up and challenge for that play. He's got to run a sharper route to where at the very least there's contact there. And it's a 
difficult interception in terms of the defensive back having to fight through more also being in the mix you have a, a situation here where Kadarius Tony gets a carry but no targets yeah the Chiefs have a lot of work to do and it starts with if you're not going to be explosive then you have to have composure you can't act like a team that scores 40 points a game when you are now a team that struggles to score 20. A game that we're not going to talk about talking about teams that need to be better it is the New England Patriots and the Chargers. The Chargers went on to win this game six to zero. The New England Patriots, Sean, have now lost three games in a row in which they have given up 10 points or less. So 10 6 to the Colts, 10 7 to the Giants, 6 0 here. They've also scored 13 points in those three games. They had a bye in between the first and second contest. Very bad stuff happening in New England. The quarterback change didn't fix it, unfortunately, in this one. Ramondre Stevenson picks up an injury. Looks like he, well, it's Thursday night football this week for the Patriots, so he, he won't be involved this week, but it looks like multiple week. We'll, we'll get more reports over the coming days on how long he will be out, but another kind of one of the, the hip drop tackles that the NFL is very concerned about, and rightly so at the moment, so we'll see. Um, but really bad game not a huge amount to discuss but looking through some of the injuries Sean this week Brian Robinson did leave with a hamstring injury in the Washington game we mentioned Kenny Pickett already Derek Carr he had multiple issues shoulder issue tested for concussion so we'll see how his health is Derek Henry who had put up two touchdowns he then has a concussion in that one Amari Cooper unfortunately concussion in the Browns game and Christian Watson who we mentioned with the, the hamstring issue but one of the games Sean that was one of the more all injuries are disappointing but somebody we've talked about in recent weeks who could be on his way to being you know thought of in that second third round of next year's fantasy drafts and that was tank dell and unfortunately in this game for him the texans versus the broncos he picks up if broke obviously sends him straight to injured reserve and puts him you know looking to be recovered in time for next season uh, i don't think there's a concern that he wouldn't be recovered but it still makes the offseason process much tougher had been having an extremely strong season and unfortunately it's on a, a russian touchdown that he kind of gets pressed up on and can land it on awkwardly that it happens on as well so disappointing for the texans they do win the game though 22 to 17 cj stroud 274 passing yards one touchdown Damian Pierce back as the kind of lead back in this one. 15 carries for him, 41 yards, and that touchdown that I, I talked about, Singletary, 8 for 36. And then when we look down, Sean, we have talked about him a couple of times, and is it CJ Stroud that's making him, or, or how is this working? But Nico Collins, 12 targets, 9 receptions, 191, and the touchdown. Nico Collins must be pretty good, Sean, at this point. We, we have to give this guy some credit. <laughs> well... The Broncos, who have been making it very difficult on some opposing pass catchers, they just left him absolutely wide open throughout this game. And so part of that is going to be breakdowns and coverage. Part of it is going to be fantastic play. I mean, it doesn't really matter how many defensive breakdowns you get. You're not going to get to a 191-yard gain <laughs> game unless you've done some Unless you're things. invisible. Unless you're invisible, right? So, I, yeah, this this was a weird one, and and, and there's the nobody else I've... involved in this. Sean Brevin Jordan has four targets, three receptions, sixty-four yards. And he's the next closest. Then we get down to one target for one catch for fourteen yards for 
Dari Ungbogwale. There's there's nothing. It's it's Nico Collins. Yeah, there, there's no weird. other like distractions to to cover here. I mean, you think about those massive games from Noah Brown. Um, for him to just have the two catchless targets in this one, now that he's back, I mean, it may be a situation where you know next week or the week after you're really looking for more of a bounce back from him. You would love to see John Mechie do something in these last weeks now with Tank Dell injured. Obviously, the great story coming back from the cancer. And yet, with how well Stroud has played, there's probably a little bit of disappointment of what his on-field results have been. He leaves a little bit on the field in this one. You mentioned Brevin Jordan. They're dealing with Dalton Schultz not being available for this game. And Schultz, you know, probably, again, not an electric difference maker. But with Stroud, he's been someone who does help. I think the strangest thing for me in this one is that they go back to Pierce. And Pierce has just been so bad. And when you have Devin Singletary providing the big playability and providing... Not necessarily the speed. I mean, Devin Singletary is not a long speed guy, but his lateral agility is elite. And so you have someone who can make some plays at the second level, can break some meaningful gains. Whereas Pierce, I mean, 15 for 41. And that's with a long, this is with a 22 yard run, right? And I mean, that is really hurting them. And the games that they have lost or played close, that has been a factor. Right? I don't see how you can go back to the thing that has been you know, keeping you from you know, being in first place in this division from competing with the Jaguars to win the AFC South. So that's a weird mistake for me. We'll see if that can continues again next week. Column, this was also sort of a, an entertaining game from a Russell Wilson perspective. The Houston defense kind of reminded us what the first month of the season looked like for him and why even with the Broncos coming on, I mean, Sean Payton almost certainly counting down the days until he could go a different direction at QB. Now, a little bit of that can be, you know, be careful what you wish for, right? It can get worse at QB as we witnessed with so many of these teams. But Wilson having a hard time getting the deep targets to connect, he doesn't really do anything successful in that intermediate range. You do have a long drop from Cortland Sutton in this one. Sutton has been very feast or famine, but when you're going to feast, a spectacular touchdown here in this yeah, game. Yeah, you get a 45-yard touchdown. That's that's a lot of fantasy points in a hurry. So, seven targets, only the two catches, but they go for 77 yards. And as you mentioned, a highlight score. The tricky thing here, and and Colin, you know, thinking about the dynasty perspective as well. You mentioned the inter- injury to Stevenson. He's someone that we have on quite a few rosters, and despite the complete and total, I mean, incompetence doesn't really cover it, I wouldn't think. From the New England Patriots, Stevenson has been their one guy who is a little bit of a weapon there. He's going to be out. Javante Williams, the backup for him on a lot of the rosters. It'll be interesting to track there. You and I made a trade offer to JJ and his partner, in our dynasty league, the one that we focus on in the reanimators series of Kenneth Walker and George Pickens for Stevenson and Williams. So not sure how I feel about that trade. It was declined. I think it would have helped us for this season potentially, but now that Stevenson is hurt, 
I'm very glad, I think, that that trade did not go through. You watch these guys run, and they don't have the big play ability to be the types of players you want on your roster. Now, this one was kind of funny because Javante Williams, despite not being the third down back, does draw the three targets. That's important for his fantasy outcome. It does give him the five points, whereas rushing totals only give you the, the four and a half. Another game in which he's held below four yards per carry one of the things that kind of cracked me up is that on that Cortland sutton touchdown javante williams is begging for the ball on a horizontal pass and so russell wilson willing to push it deep we do like to see that javante i think did believe that there was room to run for him there's not room for him to run when the ball is handed to him and if you are trying to play him down the stretch you're disconcerted again that they appear to be going out of their way to make sure he does not score a rushing touchdown this season. And even though it only comes back to the, you get the only four touches, only four carries for Jaleel McLaughlin, but within the context of Williams only getting the 13 carries, I mean, this is a game where he was losing some key touches. And so this wasn't one where we wanted to play him because it's a bad matchup against the Houston, Texas defense. That's something you can see in Blair's wrong read article. I guess I, I'm still waiting for him to create the kind of play, the kind of highlight run that we thought he was going to get. He's now going to be in the lineup for us. Any reason for optimism as we look toward the future here? I say this every time, hopefully. Uh, hopefully there's room for optimism. Sean, I, I mentioned Russell Wilson is trying his best, and the reason for that is we've had back-to-back weeks where we've got one-yard rushing touchdowns for, for Russell Wilson that you would like to see that maybe go the way of the running back, but he, he got in there, so we can't really complain too much about that. But yeah, we're going to need him, Sean, in this uh, main event final because he's going to be stepping in there for for our boy Ramondre. So we had that conversation: would we make the change this week? Our hands are going to be forced in in week fourteen. So hopefully, this week is the week moving forward. Lots of interesting contests, Sean. As we get closer to the end of today's show, I'm going to let you kind of pick on the next game but we do have some players who had just incredible performances we have mike evans over 1000 yards again for the season that puts him at 10 straight seasons sean with 1000 plus yards to start his career no other player has more than six such starts to their career to start things off and in this game 162 receiving yards and a touchdown he had a, obviously a hugely impressive day chuba hubbard also having a big day and the Carolina game getting in the end zone as well. You mentioned him in, in passing, but Achan gets in the end zone, has a big day, along with Tyreek Hill, who I mentioned. A lot of uh, Achan's work coming in, we won't say garbage time, but when the, the game is kind of out of control, we have a much more even split between him and Mostert when the game is in the balance, and as they pushed ahead, they they get him in there. And that, that second touchdown for him right at the very, very end of that particular contest Derek Henry, who I mentioned as well, 102 yards, gets in the end zone twice. That was just a bizarre game with the Titans and the Colts. We get two block punts in this contest for the Colts, one of them going for a touchdown. We also get a, a return of a two-point conversion attempt, something you don't see a huge amount of times in the NFL. That two-point conversion attempt actually off the block punt for the touchdown, so quite unique from that perspective. But, Sean, we get Debo Samuel tearing things up we got Brock Purdy tearing things up as the 49ers kind of broke the efficiency scale this week. They they really couldn't get anything working in the first quarter, but quarter two through four, everything went rosy for 
the 49ers throughout all these games i guess we can mention nakua as well 105 receiving yards for him also has a, a long rush in this game that is called back for a penalty i believe it was a, a 43 yard run by, by penalty but he also has two for 34 on the ground as well gets in the end zone on the four receptions what's your what where do you want to go i, I bounced around a lot to kind of give you some options to go but what, where are we going to go here Colin, one of the notes here that is, I think, at least vaguely interesting, again, is just the quality of the players in that 49ers-Eagles game. Ben and I were making the case that the 49ers might have the most talented offense of all time. Jalen Hurts plays a poor game for the Eagles, and yet both of his receivers still go off. They combine for 24 targets, which you love to see. A.J. Brown goes 8 for 114. Devontae Smith goes 996 and 1. When your quarterback has a bad game and your two star wide receivers are able to come up with those types of performances, those types of numbers and fantasy, again, it's a reminder of how strong they are. I hope people bought low on Devontae Smith when he was a little bit down. Some sensational grabs by him in this game. I'm not exactly sure why it's been the case because when you have a player like Devontae Smith, you have to get him involved. But this is the second straight year where the injury to Dallas Goddard has been a huge catalyst for Smith. And one of the things you want to remember is this could simply be coincidence. And yet it, it seems can like be helpful to not have that additional guy. The other thing that I would note in this game is that for the second straight week, it was incredibly frustrating that the Eagles, number one, didn't want to get DeAndre Swift involved, and number two, I don't understand why he's out taking a dirty hit at the end of the game when you're blown out. Why were the Eagles players still in this game? This one was weird to me, especially when you have Goddard already out. When I mean, the game is absolutely over. You have Jalen Hurts, who has been limping around for several weeks. Why are these players in this game? It's great for fantasy. <laughs> it's great for managers who know that you might get that score, like the A-chan score. I mean, that could be the thing that launches you into the, the fantasy finals or puts you into you know, the best ball mania playoffs where you then go and win $3 million. So it's, it's great from that perspective. It makes absolutely no sense in reality. This is horrifically bad coaching. And especially when the game is a little chippy, you know, why do you have Swift out there to take that cheap shot? Is that a question for me or is that a question for the, the Eagles? It probably is, is a question. A better I, I do think to. that, uh, you know, we, we we sometimes, like we understand why, but there's times where teams are, you know, falling behind and they continue to run the ball and they say that that's their identity, that's what they want to do. There is times where like that you need to run it, but they the what was unusual that they just went completely away from the run game. Um and they kind of went away from the entirety of that, whether that was Hertz or whether that was and you mentioned Hertz maybe not being hundred percent as well, but yeah, outside outside of uh, the two wide receivers, the leading wide receivers, it was struggle and, and they just got you know six zero up at the end of the first quarter and then they, they just get both risk the, the rest of the way 14 points in each quarter moving forward for the 49ers McCaffrey is another Christian McCaffrey maybe not a Christian McCaffrey like day but a, a very good day three receptions 40 yards 17 carries 93 yards and a touchdown for him but when we look around some of the other games and you ask why 
that was happening one of the games that that question was asked to the coach after that was sean mcveigh after the the rams and the cleveland browns game finishes this is a game where it, it's much closer than the final scoreline suggested 36 19 but up until that fourth quarter it's very tight and we have the cleveland browns have a chance to tie it they miss the extra point and then after that it kind of falls apart a little bit for them but the question was asked why did he you know let kyron williams rush that over the like rushes it in it's called back to the half yard line they can kind of kneel down if they want and then potentially kick a field goal he, he gave an answer and then he said the real reason is just that kyron williams is on his fantasy team he, he did say it was a joke but i'm sure it'll get talked about but i was wondering then sean do you think sean mcveigh is a, a listener to the podcast this is a different situation than the eagles situation i i I can't get over the Eagles playing their guys down 42-19 at the end of that game. I mean, this is a team that has not just legitimate Super Bowl aspirations. Before this game, they're the favorite. Number one seed, yeah. After this game, they're still, I mean, probably the favorite. I just, it, it's absolutely mind-boggling to me there. Colin, I was joking with you that I forgot that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers-Carolina Panthers game even existed and yet I'm excited for Mike Evans. Definitely Chuba. The streak that he's gone on has been fantastic to see him establishing himself as a very legitimate starting NFL player is really cool. He's someone, again, who, because of his price, you're only going to have these really high exposures when the players are priced in a way that makes very little sense or just priced in a way that's not going to hurt you if you load up and don't get it now. You say it's not going to hurt you. All of the picks will hurt you because a pick that is Chuba Hubbard is not simultaneously Puka and Nakua. And yeah, I mean, you can select both of those guys, but you do have a limited number of the picks at the end of the draft. And if you also want to draft Trey McBride onto almost every team, then again, you're going to limit yourself to an extent. But Chuba's performance and his ability to work through multiple years of disappointment, multiple years of injury, to come back the other out the other end of this. And we wrote about this before the season started, how Chuba, you go back to his best season in college, and he was better than the superstar prospects, you know, better than the guys who are considered to be, you know, generational types of prospects. To see him come out the other end of all of that and maybe not be at the level that those guys are but to be a very viable NFL starter in the context of an offense that is one of the NFL's worst, just an absolutely fantastic job by him. So that is going to do it for Sean for the end of today's show. We are, I'm just after seeing an update that uh, I did mention earlier about concussion for Derek Henry as we close out today's show. Uh, reports saying that he is not in the concussion protocol from Mike Rabel and he will be good to go in week 14. So sigh of relief for some Derek Henry managers out there we will be back of course with our well I keep saying the Tuesday show the Wednesday show Sean but we release it sometimes early on Tuesdays so do be alert for that make sure you are subscribed to the road of his overtime podcast feed if you want to get that one once it is released my name is Colin Kelly you can follow me on Twitter at overtime Ireland my co-host is Sean Siegel check all of Sean's work up on roadofhis.com including the Monday recap and until we are back have a good one 
Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>